Shut up and sit down. Adrienne and I am thrilled and honored to welcome you to season four of Black Women in Europe podcast. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it's been four years of telling our stories, shining our lights, and keeping it real. Do they even say that anymore? Anyway, we're glad you're here and keep coming back. Today's guest is no other than Tawana Hines for our season of healing, and you're going to love it. Hello. Happy New Year, Miss Sunshine. Look at you. Oh, my goodness. Happy New Year to you, too. May 2024 bring you all of the rest that you deserve for everything you've accomplished and endured and struggled with and achieved from birth forward. May 2024 bring you kindness and ease. I hope 2024 brings you love from community and the people that you need it most. I hope that this year delivers a new version of you that doesn't get rid of the old version of you because the old version of you got you to where you are and you need her. A new version of you that cares for the previous version and helps usher her on to whatever's next. So that is my desire for you for this year. Oh, and I accept it wholeheartedly. How beautiful. Thank you so much. I could cry, really. That was beautiful. Oh, you gave me what I needed. No, you're welcome, my love. Right here in this moment. Yes, yes. Thank you. Yes, you are welcome. You are welcome. Yay. That was powerful. You know what? I'm going to pause just for a second because I'm going to want to keep that to use if you don't mind. Yeah, please, please, absolutely. I'm going to pause for a second because I just want to, um, for a personal note, oh, I don't know, maybe one of the podcasts, but can I have, are you in your space? Can I have a quick little twirl around, see where you are? Yeah, let me add my phone to this because I'm Okay, so I'm going to put this on pause. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I see it's such a lovely space. Okay. Okay, so now... Okay, Tawana, thank you for that lovely, lovely blessing that you gave me. I'm still overwhelmed, and I saw you looking so beautiful in your space. So thank you for agreeing to give us a quick little walk around. So um, disclosure, this will just be audio. This won't be video, okay. but um, I am living vicariously for everyone who's going to hear this. I so love exactly, this. where are you? Exactly, where are you? 
so right now I am in Portugal, which is located in Southern Europe, right next door to Spain and France. So if you leave France and you go west, you're going to hit Spain. If you keep going west right before you fall into the ocean, Portugal is the last country. It's the westernmost that you can go in Europe and still be in Europe. And they actually have a beautiful place called Cabaroca. It's wonderful for hiking. That's literally called the edge of the world or the edge of Europe kind of thing, where it's the very end of it. And you can hike in there and look out and across the Atlantic and know that the next major landmass land would hit would be the United States. Uh, so this is where I am. I've been living here since November of 2021. Okay, so a little bit of background. Last time I saw you, we were in the United States and you were um, doing prep work. Oh, you know, I'm going to move to Portugal, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, girl, go now and do whatever later. Oh, I forget what it was. Oh, you were going to, oh, you were going to do some recon and then yeah. come back and do your paperwork. I was like, do your paperwork first. Then we I do that recon. If you don't like it, you. pull it. So what, what year was that? That was that 2021. Was and I 100% credit you with this because that was summer, November, 2021. And I was leaving for, I was leaving for Portugal in November. And I told you my plan was that's just a scouting trip. I don't know if I'm going to like it. I don't know if I'm going to move there. I'm just doing this trip. And then I will know after that. And then, so you said, no, apply now. If worst case scenario, you don't like it cancel your visa appointment. Best case scenario, you already started your process. And so from November in that first trip, instead of saying, oh, that's the scouting, we'll see. I was like, nope, this is me seeing me living in Europe. This is me seeing what it would be like to stay here. And I was there for like month, month and a half. And then so when I came back, I was like, I'm packing up all my stuff. I'm shutting down life here and I'm going back. And so I went back and forward from November 2021 until June, uh, May 2022, two months in Europe, two months um, in the U.S. And then I had my visa to come stay longer, my D7 visa. Um, and then so I came back over and then I had my residency appointment June 2022. So I became a Portuguese resident effective June 2022. And I'm now going for my renewal. Uh, that, that residency card is valid for two years. The renewal is valid for three. So that's the, where I am in the process. Okay, time flies so bad. I have to say, some of this is going to speak because when we reconnected and we met, you were living literally walking distance from my family home on the other side of the, the state line, I should say. So I was like, oh, great. When I'm, when I'm here from Sweden, I, you know, got squatted. And you're like, girl, I'm moving. I'm like, okay. Thrill for you, and what you just explained—you make it sound so easy. So, why was that process? I don't want to assume it was seamless, but what was the difference? You had done your work. Some people are like, "Oh, it's so hard," and they're all over the place. Why was that such a seamless process for you? I think it's several different things. First, we have to understand that visa is literally permission to enter. I think if we think of it that way, then we think of it as a visa is your permission to enter in a country where have criteria that says you may enter if. And so I was very, very, very diligent in making sure all of those criteria, what they wanted, one year lease, okay, great, 
check. I literally treated it like a checklist, like check, got that. Okay. Bank account in Portugal had the hardest fucking time opening one um, because I wasn't fully living here. And so they're like, wait a minute. And so I had to like ask around, talk to other people who were living here. Which banks are you using? Which banks have portals available in English? What are you like asking people really? How can I make sure that I do this? Kind of doing all of those things. So that was super helpful. Um, and so I would say the checklist helped. Secondly, is when I didn't know or had problems getting things in the checklist, reaching out to other people who were able to help me and provide guidance of check this or try this or talk to this person or this person does real estate in Portugal and can help you find an apartment. I told everybody what I'm looking for an apartment. I need this. I'm just following my community. So I would say that was the first part. And so by the time that I got to my visa appointment, she said, I literally had it in a folder in each part. Um, explaining what it was just kind of found its place. And I think it's just oh, sometimes you try stuff and everything works out. And I just feel like I got very lucky with Portugal in the sense that I did the checklist. I had people help and everything seemed to work in the sense of um, me getting here. And it's a good match. I love the food, the people, the culture, the beaches, the I'm learning the language, just finished my A1 exam, getting ready for A2. So it's all good. Well, you are a perfect example. I don't want to just say manifestation because it's not as like you're like, oh, I want to go to Portugal and then like wished on it and it happened. You had a plan. You made your decision. You have lived in other places. So you had zeroed in on Portugal. Okay. And I, all this time, I'm thinking you're in Lisbon. I was, so I was in Lisbon. My first year, I was in Lisbon. And I think that's common for people who move to a new country. Moving to France, Paris. Moving to England, London. Moving to, like, people go to a country and they're like, the city that I know or the city that's everyone's talking about. Mexico, Tulum, right? And so Merida, like, we picked, we zoom in on these individual places. Um, and that's what I did, you know, when I first got here. Portugal, Lisbon. I was debating between Lisbon, Porto and Coimbra. Coimbra, I heard you can get an apartment for 300 bucks a month. And I was like, that would be very helpful to just kind of save money financially, put myself in a good path and make sure that I'm secure as I continue to age and save for retirement. So Coimbra was on my list. But when I went there, it was like, you know, wherever you go, there you are, as they say. And I know that I enjoy big cities. I enjoy the vibrancy. I enjoy the cultural diversity. I enjoy the access to cultural things that come through large cities. So for me, the real choice was either Porto or Lisbon. And when I went to Porto, I was like, oh, it's beautiful. It's so nice. It's The streets are wider. It's great. I liked it a lot, but I got on that train. I got back to Lisbon. And when I got out of the train, I was like, this is, this is, that was pretty, but this is actually home. This is where I see myself living. So I was in Lisbon my first a year here, so the, you know, in the time when I was going back and forth, and then also my first lease here. And then when my lease was up and I was looking for a new apartment, I was like, I don't want to be in Lisbon. Lisbon's beautiful, but it's also filled with tourists. It's also filled with English-speaking Portuguese people. So if I go into a store, they'll speak to me in English. And it was filled with just a lot of digital nomads who were coming through. 
And I wanted the experience of living in Portugal. And so I picked another community in an area called Margem Sul, which is the south uh, south bank or south border. So outside of Lisbon, cross the river and go on the other side. And so I picked a small little community here and I explicitly picked a square that I wanted to live in, in this community. I was like, I want to live on this particular square. Um, I liked all the restaurants and things to do that were there. I liked that the Metro stop was there. I liked that if I moved into a building on that square, I wouldn't have neighbors right next to me because the square would be between me and the next building. And so you were saying that manifesting thing, I think it's also like speaking your dreams into the universe. Because I was like, I want to live on this square. And I told everybody, I'm looking for an apartment on this square. And I ended up getting an apartment on this square. And so that's why I'm living right now. And this is a podcast, so others won't see it, but I'd like to show it to you if you want to see it. Absolutely. And I can say, is that sun streaming in? It is approximately, what is it, um, 4 p.m. there, quarter after 4 p.m.? Yeah, it's 4.14 p.m. here, yep. And you've got um, sun coming in. Yeah, so you, uh, wow, okay. Cause it's yeah, let me go ahead. We'll start, and I'll audio kind of describe what we're seeing. Um, Perfect. So I'm turning on, and so I'm getting ready to show Adrian my apartment. So when we first walk in, you see my beautiful cat. The great Catsby is her name. She's laying here in the sun. Portugal has the 300 sunny days out of the 365 per year. And that was one of the reasons why I picked this. So we walk to the apartment. We go to the left. You have my kitchen. And so kitchens here tend to have smaller uh, refrigerators. Exactly. But that was something for me. I wanted to make sure that I had counter space, that I had space to have a full oven, a full refrigerator, because I knew that I would be having friends over and hosting and things like that. Same with a washer and dryer. And so dryers are not very common here. Portugal people still kind of uh, hang your clothes out to dry on a line. And so if you look out of a window of one of my neighbors, you would see clothes hanging on the line because that's very common here. And so like I wanted to make sure that I had an apartment where I could fit a washer and dryer because I'm used to doing that and I wanted to be able to do that. And so on this side of the river, we have a thing called the Crystal Day, which is the Christ King. Portugal saw the one in Brazil. I said, oh, one of those. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And so we got one. So I have a view of that from my apartment, which I really like for that. And I just have windows. There's just a lot of sun and a lot Is of that windows. A live plant? Are those live plants? Girl, those are fake plants. I have a cat. She would have eaten the shit out of they're eating the stuff out of all of those. Yeah, I can't so, like, plants, but they're gorgeous. Yeah. And they look real because they're perfect. They're, they're huge. And yeah, they're thank you. Place right next to floor to ceiling windows. I mean, totally yeah. realistic. Floor to ceiling windows, a view of the water over there. And so I was like, I know what I want, and I know that I cannot afford all of that in Lisbon. And same with like the plants, right? I knew that I wanted a place that was green and had tons of plants. I also knew that I had a cat. And so it's like find ways of getting the things that you want in a way that it works. So for me, it was buy artificial plants and read all over the internet of how to make them look real. And so well, all of these did it. The, the cats, oh, I love those. That would be great for my yoga space. I have something similar in my um, in-home yoga space um, in the basement, I love that. Oh, did you mount that TV on the wall yourself? Do you have those skills that you found? My neighbors, uh, 
My neighbors are Portuguese and wonderful. And I told them that, oh, I got the TV, I got all this stuff. They came over with their tools and everything. They mounted my televisions. They bought me a beautiful painting that has things of you of Lisbon. Wow. That was a gift? Yep. That was a gift from my wonderful, wonderful neighbors. And so I have that painting hanging over my dining room table um, in my living room dining space. And then if you leave my living room dining room, you end up going into a space where there's a spare uh, bathroom. And for me, it was really important to make sure that what the bathroom is there. It's a two bed, two bed. Well, technically, yeah. Yeah. And so I wanted it to have more of kind of a spa vibe so that when you come in, if you're guests at my house for dinner or hanging over and you have to go to the bathroom, that you feel like you're at peace here. Like you walk in and that you feel like there's peace. And so I put the bathroom together you that way. That. Sure. Yeah, yeah, you would see that. Do you have any aromatherapy going on in there when you have guests, I imagine? I have essential oils, lavender. Lavender is the one that I use. Um, so Portuguese apartments tend to be set up so that there's the social area. They even call the spare bathroom the social bathroom. So you've got the kitchen, living room, dining room, bathroom, all of that in one space. Then usually there's a separate space that's like your own private space. And so my apartment was a three-bedroom that they turned into a one-bedroom. One of the bedrooms, one of the former bedrooms, they turned into a walk-in closet. And so that entire bedroom oh, has wow. floor ceiling, storage. That's custom Who lived there before you, your soulmate. Oh my gosh, what? Yeah, Ooh. and it was amazing because that was part of that manifesting or speaking into the universe. I told people my ideal apartment has three bedrooms. One needs to be a spare bedroom slash office because I work from home. The other I would turn into a walk-in closet because some of these old buildings in Europe just don't have closets and they need a closet. And the third would be my actual bedroom and that's what i ended up getting this apartment one of the bedrooms is a walk-in closet the other bedroom is a actual bedroom and it's got floor-to-ceiling windows with a view wow. um, of water wow. from there too which is really good wow. and then it's i really off to the side. i'm sorry the water looked really blue Oh, yeah, it was that cushion on your sit space. You read there, meditate. What a lovely little yeah, space. Yeah, I have a little meditative prayer, whatever you want to call it, just like sit with yourself kind of room. So that space faces the water. And so when I'm sitting there having my coffee and I look out, I can look out and see like water, which is very uh, soothing to me. And I also set up my office in a way so that the office chair also looks out. So I'm sitting at my computer and working. And then when I look out across the way, then I actually see the water too. And so that's been really helpful for me to just be calm while I work. The place has tons yeah, of books. You really know yourself. Did you, you really, really know yourself. That comes from, that is so fantastic because everything you say is so for you. Did you have an expert help you work that out? Or this was, you just know yourself. And because I think that's a wonderful tip for just being happy in whatever space you're in. You manifest it because you know. But you know, I'm going to put it here so I have this view. I need time to meditate. I have here. I've got a cat. I know I know I want green. I know I don't have a green thumb. Or even if I do, the cat. Like, this didn't just happen by accident. And it didn't just happen overnight. And I am so you said you're so inspired by that. Yeah, that was that was Tonic uh, disconnecting from her mobile 
So to join her back, I'm so inspired that you have created this space that's completely. Um, now let me ask you this: Is this the first time you think you have achieved this, or has this? You have really come into your own now with this journey you started in 21. Yeah, I feel like this year is my coming into my own year because 2021 felt like chaotic in a lot of ways. Uh, I knew that I wanted to move back abroad. Uh, I'd known that since 2016. 2016 happened. I was like, you know what? Good time to try living in another country again. I previously lived in the UK and I lived in the Netherlands. And so it's one of those things that I stuck in the back of my pocket. It was like, oh, one of these days, one of these days, one of these days. And then January 6, 2021, like Adrian was mentioning, that summer is when we met up that year. January 6 happened and it was just like, I just need less chaos. Just need a little bit less chaos, a little bit more ease, a little more flow. Exactly. I need the volume of life turned down a little bit. It just felt like everything was bigger pitch. And so that was a year that I was like, this is the year I'm doing it. I've been saying this for four or five years now. I'm going to do it. This is the year I'm doing it. Before the end of this year, I'm going to pick my place and I'm going to go. And so I felt like 2021 was still like, trying to figure out, am I going to stay uh, in Portugal? Is it going to be this one? Okay, 2022 was like, okay, now I'm moving into a different apartment and I'm, you know, signing up for Portuguese class, like trying to get on. And so like 2023 was like, okay, now I'm starting to make friends. Because in the beginning, when you're living abroad, it can feel like a revolving door. You're all connected with people because you're in the same, you're all expats, immigrants, expats, same thing, people who migrated from one place, right? We're all in the same thing. We're all doing this. So you bond on this very surfacey level, which can be helpful because we're all going through the same things. And so it's like, ah, the validation, feeling heard and seen and actual the like helpful, resourceful tips of go to this place. That's where you get your Metro card instead of doing that. It's very helpful. And the ways in which I found it to also be a space that I could get out of. So dip in there when it's helpful, dip out when it's not helpful, is that I felt like I needed to challenge myself to actually make friends in the way that I would in the US or anywhere else that I lived, where it's like shared view of the world, shared value system, treats me well, I treat them well, a sense of seeing ourselves in the other or seeing things we aspire to be in the yes, other. Because when you are in that expat world, like you say, it's so helpful, practical, and very, very needed. Anyone who moves abroad, or even if you move into another state, you know, you need that, that to get settled. But it's not sustaining, so sustaining. And you do find yourself sometimes in circumstances with people you wouldn't have anything to do with under other circumstances. Yeah. And, and let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. No, be honest, because I think it's key what you said. You need to find out, you need to dip in and out as needed. I think that's key, and I love how you say that. Fourth of July, I know where to go. Thanksgiving, I know where to go. You know, um, hairdresser, I know where to ask. Or, like you said, banking, phone system, realtor. But yeah. that, now it, that, that takes bravery. And we have to admit, it's not necessarily easy as an adult to step out like that. What yeah. have you done? Before we get into our bigger theme for, I'm just so grateful that people can get to know you who don't already know you and find out how fantastic you are. Oh, and before you. we get into our big theme of um, healing um, and your, your expertise, and I think it's related, how do you put yourself out there as an adult in a foreign country? to make 
friends with people that you don't necessarily have anything on the surface in common with? Because that's the easy, fast connection. How do you go deeper? I think for me, a friend described me once. She said, you have a filter system of sorts, a funnel. Like you're very extroverted. You talk to everybody. I'm Midwestern too, so very much. You can't shut my mouth. Like all these kinds of things. <laughs> so daddy yeah. like, Midwesterner. And so like, I think in the beginning, I'm very open to meeting people and all of these things. And then slowly that kind of funnels or filters out where it's like, I might know a lot of people in a place or time or in a given situation. I know a lot of people, but I don't actually know a lot of people. And a lot of people don't actually know me. And so the way that I kind of navigate the earth is just like, you can always learn new lessons and insights from all kinds of people anywhere in any way. And so I think that just initial, just like, could I grab a drink with this person? Could I, you know, sit at dinner with this person? Could I, whatever? Sure. There are a lot of people who can do that with, but can I actually be vulnerable? Do, have they earned my trust such that I couldn't be vulnerable with, vulnerable with them? Not everybody, right? Do I understand who they are as a human such that I can engage with them in a way that's not hurtful? Because there could be things that hurt them that wouldn't be hurtful to me and vice versa. Not everybody. So it takes a while. So I was just time. One of my exes uh, used to always say this phrase, eh, give time, time. And he said that he got it from AA. Addiction's real. A lot of people have it, right? And so I think we need to be open about that. And he said that that was something that they uh, said in AA. Because if you are struggling with addiction, with alcohol, for example, the thought that, oh, and for the rest of your life, you'll never know, just... Give time, time. Do the little bit that you can. You don't have to do everything and try and achieve everything and hold fast and true to everything. All forever. Like if you think of everything, like you have to make your best friend your first year in a new country. Just give time. Time. Things take time. And so even now, it's like I have people that I would have said, oh, I'm the, this is my closest friend here. This is the person I know the best. That we're not friends anymore. Either I decided, like, the more I got to know them, that's they're not really my people. Or the more they got to know me, they figured I'm not their people. And no harm, no foul. Not everybody's everybody's everything, you know? I forget the woman who said it. Uh, Man uh, Marilyn Manson's ex-girlfriend. And then what was it, the 90s? This was a long time ago. I can't remember. But she said, you could be the sweetest peach in the world. And there's always going to be someone who doesn't like peaches. And so it's not really about you, right? It's just like... We all have our own. I love that. And I love like. what you said. Yeah, give time, time. I love that because it can be very lonely. It can be difficult as an expat making friends. But also, since we've talked, I've transitioned into lots of things that happen, but helping people manage grief through yoga and mindfulness. And that is very, you say give time, time. That's very important when it comes to grief, but when it comes to moving. When it comes to, as you say, moving, get settling, and then finding out that's not who you thought that that person is, give time, time. And how do you not, um, how did you learn or what signals do you know um, not to self-doubt? Or, For example, you could have turned that disappointment and said, oh, gosh, you know, that person isn't who I thought. Maybe you didn't really have the job you want. Maybe you hadn't moved into that location you wanted to be. Maybe I shouldn't move to Portugal. You know, like, what are you... How do you stop that domino effect that can Oh, 100%. I doubt stuff all the time. Like, I think that, like, 
if we don't doubt and if we don't question, we either A, aren't challenging ourselves and we're only doing things that are sure, sure bets, right? Like we're not challenging or we're not growing or both, right? And so it's like I constantly question decisions and doubt. And like, even when people ask me, how long are you staying in Portugal? I don't know. Um, I'm giving time, time to see like what it feels like, you know, in year four, year five, year 20, I don't know. Or maybe, you know, I fall madly, deeply in love with some beautiful creature from who knows what country that's passing through Portugal and then they go back to their country. And then three years from now, I'm living in you know Bali or Botswana or Barbados or Bahamas or Belgium. Like we just don't know if you're open to it. You just don't know where life might lead you. What interesting opportunity or inspiration might come. And so like, even with Portugal, it's like, yeah, I'm putting in time, energy, effort to like make friends here and learn the language and get to really know Portuguese culture and history. 50 years celebrating since uh, the dictator, dictator was ousted in 74. So this is the 50 year anniversary this year of just getting to know more of the local community that I'm calling my home right now. And so like, is this the best place that I can be right now? It works for now. Like uh, given the information that I knew at the time when I made the decision to move, this was what fit me as the closest match of what I wanted to do. Could I have been in Mexico and enjoyed life? Probably. Could I have gone back to the Netherlands where I already speak the language and had an easier kind of on-ramp of like, okay, at least I know the language and can I get started, know where things work and know the different cities, difference between Groningen and Maastricht. Like, would it have been easier? Maybe, I don't know. But like, it just felt like this is where the earth, the universe, the wind is blowing me at this time. And I'm settling in for now. And that for now could be the next six months, the next six years, the rest of my life. I don't know that yet. And I don't know that it's possible to know that. So when you approach life like that, which is, gosh, you remind me a lot of my yoga philosophy is a lot of detachment, which doesn't mean that you don't care, but it means that you're attached to that postal code, to that situation, to that you know that life is temporary, everything is temporary, right? In different degrees. Mm -hmm. How do you do that practically with leasing and contracts, or you just are prepared to, because like you say, you find somebody, you fall in love. You would just sublease your apartment if you came to that two and a half years later. I'm not saying you would do that overnight. Who knows what you would do? What happens? Yeah. So for it's the like, practical part, you have to be flexible. Yeah. I love these questions and I love that you're pushing me. I love what concrete. It's one thing to talk about. Ooh, just know yourself. Go with the wind. Be with yourself. Like it's one thing to talk like that. And it's another thing to say, all right, give me the straight dope. Like be for be for real. Like, how do you actually make this happen? Here we go. Tips. One. <laughs> I never buy an airline that is not an airplane ticket that's not refundable. I don't know what the future will bring. I don't know what's going to happen. I refuse to buy any airline ticket that's going to charge me a hefty fee to change it. I assume everything in the world changes all the time. And so that's one concrete thing that I just don't. Same with uh, hotel bookings. Everything's on booking.com with a free cancellation up until seven days beforehand. And so I don't pay anything that like, I can't get my money back. I'm not in a position that I don't miss money when it's gone kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So it's like knowing that the world can be flexible. I don't lock stuff in. 
if I can't get out. Same with apartments. I would not sign a lease for three, three-year leases are common here. I would never sign a three-year lease um, that said no out clause at all and no subleasing. I would never agree to that because who knows what the world would bring. My first lease here was a six-month contract that said at the end of the six months, you can choose, they could choose, you know, we could choose what we want to do after these six months, you know. My second lease here, I was at that time that I was going to buy an apartment. That's something that didn't work out. <laughs> I've been trying to buy a house for years and I realized I don't know that I have the money. I'm not comfortable getting a big fat more. I don't want to do that. I just don't want to have debt hanging over me um, with a, just I'm and someone who moves a lot. I was like, maybe I'm a renter. Maybe I'm the kind of person who rents. And if I buy. Right. That is a change because I know you were looking to buy. Okay. So yeah. good for you. To yeah. Have, that's a huge shift in your Yeah. In your Let's mindset. get into that okay. deep late. Like okay. we'll go with okay. that too. Okay. My second apartment that I rented, I was closing on a house at that time, but I told them, Hey, I'm leaving this apartment, the apartment number one place I'm buying. It's going to take at least three, four months. Of like I, I need to get something. So I will sign your lease, but the understanding what we need to have in writing and just, just know, or at least is that I can leave at any time. So if I'm able to close in three months that I can find you another tenant, like I'm not going to leave you in the cold. I can find you another tenant to take over this lease, but I have to be able to leave. So that was that one. This place, which I absolutely adore and hope to stay and for as long as I'm in Portugal and possibly buy it, if they are open to sell it. Um, this place, my agreement was a three-year lease and you have the option after six months, if you stay six months, you're like, mm, not my thing. Anytime after, as long as you've stayed six months, I can leave. And then the other thing in Portugal, you're only by law obligated to fulfill one third of your lease. So even if I did a three-year lease, I only have to stay a year, which is why so many people do three-year leases here because they want a tenant for at least a year. So I signed three years knowing okay, I get them for at least that year. So that's another thing is just make any agreements, contracts, all the stuff you sign flexible, not locking into something. If you know, like I want to give myself time to see how I feel about all of these things. So that was something that was very important to me. The other thing was mindset of being clear that I wasn't stuck anywhere, reminding myself that just because I chose, I can unchoose at any time. You know, I chose Lisbon my first year. I don't live in Lisbon anymore. Um, it's a short little trip across the way, but like I totally decided that I don't want to be in the center of Lisbon anymore, you know? And then who knows if I decide after living here and say I'm in this beautiful apartment, I love it in six years and I ask the landlord, hey, you know what I want to buy? And he's like, nope, I love it too. I'm going to move in. <laughs> and he decides he's going to take it instead. Like get out. We've decided we want this one. Who's to say? I love Strewball. Strewball is another town that's like a beach community not too far from here also margin tool on the south banks down here smaller less expensive who's to say i don't get a place down there and just up staying down at Strubal or Madeira or azurish which are islands like hawaii that are part of um portugal what if i decide maybe i'll just do a year of like island living and see what that's Azores. like. Azores, we might get confused. The Azores isn't that part. Okay. Yeah, yeah, as Azores, really in English, Azores, okay. and in Portuguese, okay. Azorish. Yeah, the Azores, yeah, That's exactly. a really good wine. I think yeah, I had yeah. one yeah. lace, maybe, or handcraft, um, not uh, lace, anyway. I don't know, someone, but yeah. Um, I know but, it's been there. Yeah. So, uh, okay, so one last practical question before we deep into is part of our season of healing, but you're already healing. 
in so many ways, um, help, helping people heal. And, and that blessing you gave me when you first came on. Now, you made all of this possible by you have a portable job. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't say portable job. Well, does job mean when you work for someone else? You work for yourself. And even when you work for yourself, you work for the client or whatever, right? right. Uh, there's a lot of ways to look at it, but you did not get transferred with your employer. So you didn't have that help, you know, that employers can provide. You did all that work yourself. But you were, you didn't take the big decision to say, I'm quitting my job. I'm going over and see what happens. You were like, I'm practical. I'm portable. I'm, I can move. Yeah. So how did you create that flexibility for yourself? Now, if, if, for example, not everyone has your expertise. Do you have any advice for how someone in a, who doesn't have like in the traditional in-office job where you have to do it face-to-face can create a portable life? Do I mean portable? What do I want to say? Yeah, portable. portable, yeah. Portable. Packable, portable. Okay. Yeah, exactly. A packable, portable, all of those. Basically something that you can... Put all your shit in a suitcase and go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, so I would say a couple different things. I would say think broadly about the kinds of people who hire what you want to do. So say, for example, you say, okay, but like I'm a nurse and I need to be here and I need to stay here and do these things so I can only do that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm going to have to stay in where I am. Nurses tend to be more affordable, so probably not the best example. But uh, the military needs nurses. And so there are tons of civilian jobs that people take and be, and travel all over the world, including nurses, if you do that. Or if you're like, hey, I teach at this school and I've been teaching at this school for 20 years. And if I stay another 10 years or three years or whatever, then I have a pension there and I can stay there, whatever. So I can't quit. I can't leave that. International teaching is extremely lucrative. There are a lot of people who are working in these international schools and sign up for these international teaching things where they're paying for your housing, they're paying for all of these things, you can keep that same job, but do it in a different thing. So I would say that that would be the first thing is like Google your profession plus a different country that you'd be interested in working in and seeing kind of what are the things that people do there. Another thing that you could do is consider, is there an adjacent way that I can take a job that I currently have and make it portable? So one thing you could do is like, say that you work at a corporate a company that hires a lot of international executives and you're there, you're a CPA there, you're an accountant. So your job is with that firm and has been for the past 17 years and you help them understand, you know, like things related to international tax because you work at this multinational bank or corporation or whatever in some country. And so you've been working for that company forever and you're a CPA for a specific type of thing for a specific place or things like that. And you're like, but I can't do that. I don't know the tax situation in Guatemala or in Egypt or in England, you know, like you're like, I can't do that. Cause I don't know that thing. You could be a financial coach to help people who are expats and immigrants from other countries, especially the U.S., because as Americans, we have to pay U.S. taxes because U.S. is one of the few countries that taxes by citizenship. So you have to file and pay U.S. taxes. Um, and we have to file and maybe not. Yeah, depending on how much your income is. Yeah. So if you haven't been filing because you're thinking, uh, don't think you just because you file, you have to pay the prison, you have to thing. But yeah, you're right. What, what us in Eritrea, is that still... That make I think it's, 
it was either Ethiopia or Eritrea. Yeah, it was like literally two or three countries that tax yeah. my citizenship. And then you have to usually pay taxes where you're living because you're, you're a resident there and you have to do that. Exactly. And so you could be a financial coach. So don't do accounting, but you could just help people explain like, what's the difference between accrual based accounting versus cash based? Like just do front, you could do financial literacy. You could offer online financial literacy classes about accounting and taxes and international. You would not be, uh, you would not lack people to kind of help you and pay for that stuff like that. You could do that. And so there are just all kinds of things in which you could take either A, first example was take the job that you have and Google that job title in different countries or different industries to see how can you port the job and industry that you're in elsewhere. Or the thing you could just be is say, how can I do an adjacent job? So I was an accountant. Now I'm a financial literacy coach and help people understand these things. And I make my money that way. And I live abroad by that. So an adjacent job, right? Or the other things you can do is change your career. <laughs> the U.S. Nobody charges as much money as the U.S. does for education. And so most of these other countries have free education. You can decide, when I was a little girl, I wanted to be a lawyer. When I was a little girl, I wanted to be an interior designer. When I was a little boy, I wanted to be a painter. When I was a little boy, it was this. When I was little and everybody was trying to force me to be a boy or girl, and I knew that I was non-binary, I always knew that I wanted to be someone who, you know, was an architect or whatever. And so... Consider that. It's never too old to start. My 49-year-old ass is learning Portuguese for the first time. And so you could literally start over in so many different ways, so many different times in life. Not to say there aren't challenges. You might have children. You might have a dying parent. You might have all other kinds of considerations that you need to figure out. And so you also have to be real with yourself because there are people who like move halfway across the globe and then they're like... My mom, you know, was 88 when I moved and now she's like ill. Think of that before you pick your laugh. shit. But people but, do it all the time though. They do that all the time. Yeah, it's a lot of, I know. I said, there's this thing, like you say, we, you know, you've lived um, in, in the UK and the Netherlands and I moved abroad the, um, 2002. And, you know, when you're gone a long time, you know, my parents started out young and robust, so it seems. You know, and then over that time, so I've had that challenge in 2021, losing my dad at 95, and you know, having to be very present, and now having to be very present with mommy, who's uh, four years younger than him. And so I always knew that. So even when you know, I can't imagine not thinking that, even though 88 can be young. I mean, you know, we you can have a young 88, but then things can change overnight. You can overnight, have a young forty-year-old and things can change overnight. You never know. No I, one knows I, anything. Yeah, you never think, know. So even when you when you plan for that, just just a tip to let people know it's still going to be hard. So even when you right. know in your mind, plan harder. So make that part of your move plan. I would recommend, yeah. like you said, don't just think about it. Have a freaking concrete. Plan. I love that. I didn't. I knew I had to do it, so I was just winging it. But yeah. now I have, uh, I would recommend, that's as important as every other thing you're going to put into place. And I would say, and I know people who've done it, if you leave adult children behind, just are your babies and they're going to call you when they need you just as if they were babies. So have a plan for that. Yeah. As well, all, all the parts of your life, while you're taking care of yourself and saying, I know I need to do this for me, then really do it for you by having all those other things in, in, in 
You're so good. Look, you're so much more generous than I am and kind because it's like, <laughs> and it's true. It's like, and both of those things can be true at the same time where it's like, if you know that you've got, you know, and the significantly elderly parent or children back home that you're going to need to tend to all of these kinds of things. Yes, you can make a plan. That's very generous and kind. Every time I see on these expat lists where someone's like, okay, so I just moved here with two suitcases, having never been here before, and I'm having a hard time finding an apartment. I didn't know that cost had increased in Lisbon, and I've been here for four months, and I'm thinking of leaving because I left my 99-year-old grandfather, three children back home, and we were used to having weekly Sunday dinners, and I'm missing those dinners. I'm like... You didn't know that shit before you got on the plane. And so I'm just more of the just like of the stuff like those kinds of things where it's like, if you know, I, you know what I don't, you know what Tana, I I hear you. That's why I stay yeah. up for those now. But those are the lifelines that we mentioned before when you do move that you need. I was on all those forms and for years. And and you're right, but now I don't have to because you're right. You know, I don't have the patience for people like that. I'm like seriously. But let me throw in one time, other. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let, let's throw in one other thing in that toolkit because we're both um, passionate um, 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 U.S. overseas citizen voter advocates. I don't feel like I said that right. But we both believe strongly that if you live abroad and you're an American, to exercise that right that we all have to, to vote in federal elections. And depending on your state, you can vote in your state elections too. Different circumstances that we don't need to get into that now. But that's something else to put on your list. I'm moving abroad. Is this, um, every year is an election year, depending on your state. So make sure that you do that as well. You have your voting plan every year is an election year. You've got your plan for your, if you're sandwiched, for your elderly or your younger um, independent relatives. Everybody's independent until they're not, until they need, uh, they have some type of hardship illness, accident, financial, emotional. Make sure if you have property in the States, what's going to happen to that? Are you managing it? Are you selling it? Are you letting people live in it? Just everything, because you're going to have enough on your plate when you get to where you are, and you're going to have what's, you're going to want to make sure every opportunity that you have to have fun and live well where you are, right, that you're doing it, mm -hmm. and not in the back of your mind, what's going on there? Because I know yeah. I have too often been in one country, but mentally in another. So, Ooh, you that's know, a mouthful. A lot, and a lot of people do that. Like, either yeah. A, you stay in the U.S., and then you have this dream that you never chase, which is to leave and live somewhere else. Or, not assuming everyone's like, where you live in Canada or wherever you're from or you're living, you live in that place, you have this dream. So mentally you dream of being somewhere else, you know? So we've got that, but the other where it's like people move to countries, but then mentally and socially, they're still in that, you know? So they still, like if you're Italian and then you move to Jamaica, but you only hang out with other Italians and you're only, you don't like Jamaican food, you really are trying to find, where can I find the Italian restaurant? I can't. So people mentally live somewhere that they're not in a lot of ways, you know? And one of them, I love you. Yeah, and I love you. And there's, there is a thing called daydreaming. There is something of like, sometimes you either need to daydream of what could be before you can actually take steps to do it. So if you're in a place and dreaming of somewhere else, that dream could be the beginning of it. And then the other thing, there's actually a word, saude, I think it is, a, a longingness, a loss. 
that's a Portuguese word that isn't available in English, right? Like it's just this like fado, the, the Portuguese music, it's singing of this, this loss and this loneliness, this memory of, which is also living somewhere else. And it's also when we you talked about grief earlier, right? There's also that kind of memory of kind of thing. So it's not necessarily bad to mentally live somewhere else, but I think we need to scratch the pocket. One of the things that I find helpful, I love how you push well, practicality, be practical. Book recommendation, I cannot recommend enough for agreements. I've read this book so many times because it's one of those dense ones that I read, reread, reread at different points of my life. And the whole premise of the book is like, to live a peaceful, healthy life, you really only need Wait to make- Wait a minute, the next thing? Just... Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. I just, okay, wow. Yeah. The whole premise well, of the full book. disclosure, full disclosure. I I, I just finished the summary, so I didn't. But now the sum in the summary they say go back and read the full book, and I do want to read it. But I just finished the summary, the audio summary. So now one, so you recommending it? So now I got to go back. Yes, and I read the physical book papers ages ago, and now I'm like doing the audio the audio book on Audible. So I'm literally kind of going through and working my way through the book again. Because they're just all these lessons. And I feel like as I read it at different points in my life, it hits me different. It pinches different parts of me, you know? And so the book's full premise really is to live a healthy, peaceful life. You only need to make four agreements. And these are agreements with yourself, not anyone else, right? And so those four agreements are one, be impeccable with your word. If you say that you're going to do something, do it. Don't speak ill of other people. I always say, I don't speak ill of the dead. Even people who are dead to me. So I just don't even talk about, right? But there's just like, be impeccable with your word. So like, if you want to live at peace, sleep well knowing that like, the things that you say are true. They are valid. They represent the best of you. You at your best kind of thing, right? And it doesn't mean like, be all kumbaya and happy and peaceful with someone. If someone's like acting like a jazz, like a jackass, you telling them where, you know, go to hell and, you know, you can, you know, what you can do to yourself while you're there type of thing. That's not being impeccable with your word. That's also being your true self. I don't think that we should say anger or feeling upset or holding people accountable um, is something that we can't do if we're being impeccably honest. So, but the whole thing of like who you are, be impeccable with your word. The other one was like, this is what I struggle with sometimes. Don't take anything personally. Even when someone says something yeah. nice about you, oh, I really like that dress. It's not about that dress. That's about how they feel about that fashion, that color, that style, that cut, that whatever. It's not about that dress. It's not about you. Like, don't take anything personally, right? Um, someone, you, you don't get as many views as something or as many downloads or listen to something as you did on the previous one. Not personally. Don't take anything personally. And so just do not take anything personally, whether it's positive or negative. The fact that me moving here flew with ease in a lot of ways, I was able to kind of sort things out and a lot of people helped me. I don't think that it's like I'm some kind of magic bullet type thing. It's that like I got lucky in a lot of ways. I prepared, things worked out and I'm grateful for it. There are times when I've prepared you and things just haven't work. worked the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. You did the work and that's the thing you show up. And like you said, you don't know what the results are going to be, but we know what the results are going to be if you don't Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that goes back to that person. Be impeccable with your word. If you say you want to do it and you want to make the decision and move abroad or do something, either do it or do the deep meaning work to say that's something that I want to do, but I'm not willing to do it right now because X or I'm putting in a hold because Y. Like be impeccable with your word and also like don't take anything personally. Um, the other one was don't make assumptions. 
don't assume, especially this is a great one, don't assume Colombia is violent and you're, you can't go there because it's unsafe. The U.S. Is, unviolent, is violent and unsafe in some places and at some times. Don't assume, uh, oh, if I go to an African country, it's automatically going to be easier for me than if I go to a country that's not an African country. Don't assume if you go to a place that you've never been before or that, you know, that people, look, I don't know, just don't make assumptions in life. You just don't know what's going to happen and you don't Don't really make assumptions. don't know. Yep. Yeah, and and that's something that people that um um think of expat life do. Yep. All the time I'm gonna about move to countries. Paris. I'm gonna get a great job. I'm gonna have a cute apartment, meet a Frenchman, and or I know I find a lot of ex Americans. You know, I'm gonna move to this country. I've got a master's degree in this. It's like you're not special. You know, um, everybody speaks English. You know, it's like don't assume that. Yeah. But, the, but don't assume that you can't make it, like you say, at the same time. Don't Yeah. assume that it's not going to work out. So what Yeah. was it? It was be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything up personally. Don't make assumptions. Don't make assumptions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the last one is always do your best. And the beauty of that is that they say that your best is if you haven't had a lot of sleep the night before, your best that day is going to be less than your best the previous day. If you're afraid, if you're tired, if you're dealing with personal family drama that you're trying to sort through. You've got a parent with Alzheimer. You've got a nephew or brother with uh, autism that you're trying to, like your best is going to shift from time to time. And so the thing is always do your best. And here's something I struggle with and they say, and nothing further. Do the best that you can and then walk away. Don't drive yourself insane trying to like, oh, oh, but I, if I just put this much more effort in, Just did you do the best that you could and then put it down? That's what like perfectionism for all that. Like, just no, it doesn't have to be perfect. It has to be done at your best. And even with this, like when you're deciding to go somewhere, it's like there are a lot of considerations that I hadn't really even didn't cross my mind. Like, for example, the fact that I'm a morning person, I haven't used an alarm clock to wake up and 20, 30 years at least. And so it's like, I'm naturally wake up around 6.30, 30. The only time I ever sporadically uh, use an uh, alarm clock on my phone, the alarm on my phone is if I have like an AM flight or if I have something that I'm like, I have to make sure that I have to be, but my Portuguese class starts at 8 AM every day. And I don't use an alarm for the, every two days a week I have it, Monday, Wednesday. I don't use an alarm for that. It's only when it's something because if I'm late or if something happens, which that hasn't happened because I'm usually up by 637, 730 at the latest. But like a flight, you can't be like, oh, I just walked in class five minutes late. So when I have an early AM flight, I use an alarm. I usually don't have to use it. So someone like that who loves morning, I love, I sleep with my curtains open. I have every place I live. Love the sun, like feeling it on my face, the sunrise, all of these things. Super early morning person. I am, I'm at best peak energy, peak just function, early a.m. By two o'clock, I need a nap. And then after that, I only have a couple of good hours in me. So choosing to work in a place in East Coast hours where East Coast hours is 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. Biorhythm is something that didn't cross my mind. I thought about everything. Like, how do I, about the things that like, when I make fun of people who are like, I didn't know that, oh my gosh, the flights would be so, long to get back home you know how long I'm like that type of so I considered how much it's going to cost me to fly how much am I willing to only fly home what are the kinds of things that will fly home Yeah. and How I often won't can I go home? Exactly. yeah How often can I thought I go of these home? things Yeah. what kinds of critical 
life and family events am I willing to go back for? When you consider deaths, whose deaths, weddings, whose weddings, birthdays, whose, like what ones am I willing to go for? I consider the finance, I considered so much and I tried to protect myself because I am on my own and have been my most of my life, even before I should have been a kid who raised myself in a lot of ways, which is a whole different story of trauma. But <laughs> that said, I'm used to making sure that I'm thinking of things and trying to protect myself, being my own overprotective parent and looking out for things. And even still, biorhythm was something that just did not cross my mind. Had I considered that, I might have picked Mexico because then it's like you're in the same time zone. <laughs> it's still warm. It's still sunny. It's still some of the other stuff that I cared about or maybe I might not have. So who knows? All I know is that when it came time to pick a country to move, I did my best. I thought about the things that occurred to me at that time. I did the research that I could. I did my best. And that's all we can do, you know? That's all we can do. Okay. And that's so important to know as we go into um, the, the real reason. Well, I always want to talk to Tawana. But I wanted her, her when I decided that season four would be season of healing, that I knew Tawana had to talk. Um, about um, some of her expertise. She's so multi-talented. But I was thinking two things when it comes to healing and, and women and, and the power that you can bring to us. Sexual healing, sexual health, and also relationships, intimate, personal relationships and healing. And when I say we did our best, so if you find yourself right now and you're in a what you consider an, an unhealthy relationship or an unsatisfying relationship. You've done your best to this part, to this point, right? And now Tawana's here to help you do better, right? What did, uh, what did Maya say? When we know better, we do better. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to, as I said, when we talked about earlier, free flow it with you because you're just a font, but I wanted to throw that out for you and maybe give you some examples. You're married. Maybe you're, you've been married for years. Maybe your sex life or your intimacy isn't the way that you want it to be. And you want that part to be healed. Maybe you're single and you don't want to bring intimacy into your relationship yet, or you're not sure how to do that because maybe you think this is the one. How do people even do it this day and age? We're coming out of COVID, intimacy. Maybe you're a survivor of sexual trauma, like I am. Um, so many of us are, yeah. So many of us are. How do you heal that part and bring intimacy back in? So the sexual and the relationship, how do that, you know, how, I hope I'm making sense. In, 100%. In how can help. Okay. So however you want to start and let me come in with questions if I have any, but just imagine I'm come to you in your expertise, or maybe we're just girlfriends talking. Help me to want to heal. Yes. Oh healing. yes, I love this. And so one of the things that I love is as we talk about healing, whether it's from sexual trauma or people who violate our trust and, and or those can be the same, people who violated our trust um, in an intimate relationship or someone who cheated on us or someone who hit us or someone who abandoned us or someone who um, lie to us or someone who loves us and we love them, but it didn't quite work out or 
someone who they loved us, but we didn't love them or all of these kinds of things. As we talk about healing, one of the things that I keep coming back to is sometimes we think of healing like a wound, like a physical wound where you're like, oh, you scratch something or whatever, and then you heal. And then that wound is healed. Is not it anymore. It is not there anymore. And sometimes there's not even a scar. It's done. And we know that it's done healing because the scab is gone. It's healed. You can see it, all of these things. So when we talk about sexual and reproductive health and healthy relationships and what healing looks like in that, it's quite different. I tend to believe we heal our entire lives. It's not this accomplishment that we do where it's like, oh, okay, you did this thing, you know, you, you did therapy. Okay, great. You did the inner child work. You did all these things. Fantastic. You are healed. I don't really see healing that way. I see healing more of like growth. Because even when we get to this point where we feel like, okay, I experienced some type of trauma. I did the inner child work, the therapy, restorative justice, like whatever needed to be done to kind of get to a point that I am okay. And that okay may be that I have forgiven. That okay may be I have accepted the fact that this person does not deserve my forgiveness. That okay could be... I am moving on or I've decided it could be anything, right? But whatever that okay is for you. Life experiences can rock or shift or change you in a way that it reopens and you realize there's still a lot of healing that needs to be done in some other aspect, right? Like maybe you've healed in an ability to trust someone, but not in the ability to be emotionally or physically vulnerable, with someone. And so I feel like it's this lifelong thing. And I think I like to, you mentioned sexual healing, sexual health, relationships, and intimacy. Like I literally heard those as you were saying them. And I want to take each of those one at a time and just kind of free flow talk a little bit of Thank so you. much that gets packed into each of those. Sexual healing, right? That song, that's a song about it, right? And it's not about trauma. I think sometimes we even have to realize that healing is a sense of like joy. Healing is allowing ourselves to experience pleasure, to know that we deserve it and can ask for it from our partner. Healing can be a positive space that it's like, like you think of that song, sexual healing, right? Like it's about like how it literally like sexuality and sexual interactions can heal horniness it can heal feeling undesired. It could heal needing to feel physically touched and the physicality of like touching another person, feeling their breath on you. It can heal in a sense of way. That can be a very positive thing. And so I think there's so much about worthiness that we all have to work on, on what do we think we deserve when it comes to, and I'll say that next bucket, her sexual health, right? Like, what does that look like for us? All the way from the nuts and bolts, are you talking to your doctor about your sexual health? Are you getting your annual physicals? Are you actually digging into the things that you need to know to keep your sexual reproductive health uh, your organs healthy? Like well, all of those types of things of the actual nuts and bolts of the physical health related to sex types of thing, but also just like sexual health and from the UN and every other international organization out there, has transitioned from the old school way of thinking about it is 
Sexual health means we talk about what we don't want. So we talk about unplanned pregnancies. We talk about sexually transmitted infections that we used to call sexually transmitted disease. Sexual health means learning about all this stuff that we don't want. And so we also have to transition to make space for joy. Yes, it's important to know what STIs are and to know which ones are bacterial and that you go and get the antibiotics to literally heal you from that and which ones are viral that are gifts for life and how to actually maintain your health in that set, right? So yes, it's important to know that it's time your pregnancies or decide you don't want to have a pregnancy. Like all of those things are important. And it is just as much important for you to tend to that sexual health where you learn of like, what does consent mean for you, right? Like what are the kinds of things that you need to know and hear and express and feel and communicate and have communicated to you when it comes to consensual sexual health? What are those kinds of things that you need your partner or yourself to do to your body to feel like you are tending to your sexual and emotional health in a good way, that you're experiencing pleasure in a way that makes you feel cared for and cherished or, you know, like shocked or whatever you want. It doesn't all have to be this like lovey-dovey kissy thing. It's like, maybe you literally want to feel like, I was on fire, right? Like, Uh what do you need and what are you doing to make sure that you're tending to that sexual health? So when I heard sexual health, sexual healing, and then you also mentioned relationships, the most important relationship that any of us will ever have is with ourselves. Because from that, all else flows. How we feel about ourselves, how we self-abuse. And like I talked about earlier with that, like do your best. I had a friend tell me, you'd never let anybody talk to you the way that you talk to yourself. So I had to do a lot of work on like making sure that my self-talk isn't negative and that the relationship that I have with myself is more positive. And so when something messes up, I said, shit, I didn't know. It's like, you know what? Did the best that you could. What are some of the lessons that we're going to learn from that girl and kind of like walk on that, like that the relationship really starts with what's inside. Self-compassion, being gracious towards yourself, liking yourself, being friends with yourself, being in love with yourself. Like we seek those things elsewhere, right? Of kind of like what we're looking for in another person, what we want, what do we want for ourselves? So it's important to kind of- To kind of like date yourself. Or yeah. make yourself and, the person that you want to date or something. Like you say, we look for these things in other people, but not in ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then realizing kind of like everything from when you say, I want these things from these other people. Like, I want a partner who's financially stable, or I want a partner who's really hot or really cute, or I want a partner who loves me. Dial all of those back. And it's like financially stable. What makes you feel financially insecure? Because that partner might run out on you, right? So it's like, what do you need to feel secure? Is it only a partner? Or are there other things that you need to feel financially secure? Are there ways that you can achieve those elsewhere? And so like thinking through those. If you say, I want my partner to be really hot, is it because you think if they're not conventionally physically attractive and people see you with them that they'll think that you're not hot or you're not cute or you're uglier or whatever so that's what I mean it's not just the date yourself part it's more of dig deeper into the like why do you that's even true. want those other things like starting with that who does that though people don't and that's why if you look at the state of dating you see why sh- stuff looks the way that it does you've got 
sometimes extremely traumatized, extremely unhealed people throwing themselves out towards another person in a very anxiety-driven, fearful, insecure way, and then wondering why the hell shit doesn't work, right? Wondering why people run away, why we run away, why didn't, like, we have to actually, like, do that work and realize kind of like what we personally need. And I feel like the more that we do that, it improves, no better, be better, right? do better, that type of stuff, as you said earlier, quoting, uh, just the type of stuff that we need to do with ourselves. I think that improves, does it make it perfect? No. Does it mean that you'll never have an awful relationship that doesn't work the way that you want? No. Does it mean you'll never be ghosted? No. But does it mean that you'll have a very secure, way of thinking about what you do and do not want from your relationships. That includes those new friends that you're going to meet when you're abroad. It includes the partner that you're bringing with you because people think of it as a flower, right? You're a flower in a pot. Now you just unpotted that and put it in a bigger pot that's got healthier soil and you're giving it and you're taking two of those flowers. A lot of people divorce and have all kinds of relationships problems when they come together to a new country because it's like, now you're in a whole different kind of environment and trying to navigate that. And so any of this other stuff that you haven't done, you start, you start doing that, or maybe you don't. And so now you've got two people trying to navigate that together, which can be challenging too. So it's like that relationship stuff, I say before we even start to think about other people, starting with ourselves. And then when we think about other people, we have to think about interpersonal relationships means exactly that, between people. That's family members, that's neighbors, that's friends. So if you've got a relationship with your mother or your father or your grandparent, where all they do is berate you, and that's all they've ever done for as long as you've known them, right? What did you learn from that? And how do you respond when a partner berates you? What kind of triggers do you have? What do you, you know? These kinds of things. And so it really not because you're wrong and there's something wrong with you. No, it's because the more you do that work, the more you're able to communicate what you need to a partner so that they will love you in the way that you need them to love you. You're doing it so that you get what you want. That's why you're doing it, right? So that's what I thought about with the relationship. And that last part, intimacy, um, you mentioned, you're like, what if you're not ready to be intimate? We're all intimate in some way. If you've told your partner your real name, that, that's a level of intimacy. So really just kind of thinking also more like a dial of sorts where it's not like intimacy means I mean to be naked physically. Well, I'm sorry. You know, that tickled me so much. Have you given aliases <laughs> before? Have you given aliases before in the beginning? Of course I have. I've given, especially back, you know, college days like I, we had bar names like I was like okay what's your bar name gonna be like my girlfriends and I would like just pick a different name for the night so we didn't even give these people our real name and then the other thing is that when I first started dating people I would spell my name incorrectly because my name is so a unique identifier okay so I'd spell it incorrectly <laughs> so they couldn't find me <laughs> now if that works out how do you explain that or you just kind of clean and say look I have to feel I have to you know I'm protecting myself I just say it. I just say exactly that. Because I remember one guy, a French Canadian guy in Chicago, he asked me, he's like, how's your name spelled? Because I saw, like, he was like, what is going on? And so I just told him, I go, you know, my name is not like yours, where there's like hundreds of people that have your same name, even in this town, right? Like, my name is spelled exactly as it is. It's me, and I'm a public person. 
as in there's stuff that I do is available. If I write an article for a magazine, it's available in a public place. If I speak at a college campus, that is a public. So like I'm a public person in a way and such like there's a lot of information relatively available about me publicly. And so it's like, that's why I did it. Just making sure that I was uh, protecting myself. Oh, hilarious. Okay, so you're right. Okay. Um, in that I don't do that anymore, but I used to like, I totally used to use different names. But yeah, so back to the intimacy. Well, when you think about it that way, yeah, that's intimacy. So you're right. So you're so we are intimate on all kinds of levels. Yeah. So we're intimate with when we tell somebody when we start being honest, even with our names, that's intimacy. Yeah, and I think that if we think of it that way, especially uh, for those of us who come from ways which people have like uh, physically and or sexually traumatized us in a way in which like uh, the idea of physical intimacy sounds scary or something that you can't give away right away. Just thinking of like all those like baby steps in the way when we think of intimacy, what that means, sharing your time with someone, choosing to do that, um, sharing details about yourself, sharing your likes. Like we don't have to go all in with everyone all the time, right? That's an exercise that we can do with ourselves too, of just realizing like the, how deep and how intimate do we want to go with X person or X persons at this time? That doesn't mean that you're always there. Sometimes maybe you're like, I'm ready to go deeper. Sometimes you're like, try that. I'm not really ready for that. I want to kind of back this up a little bit. And you can do that too. So it's more of just kind of thinking of it as like, not everyone deserves you. Your time, your thoughts, your energy, your space, and your body. Like not everybody deserves you. And so doing what feels right for you to make sure that you decide how intimate you want to be with who and at what times, at what pace, all of that. There's no one right answer for any of it, you know. And I like that you say that because I'm thinking and want people to be aware that it's a process. And it's even a process like I, um, was it 2021? Maybe 2022. Maybe the word, my word of the year was no. And I carried it over to 2023. Yeah, I think it was 2022. And by that, I meant working on my boundaries. You know, so no. And when you say no to people that you always say yes to, it's shocking for them. And it can make you feel, oh, my God, you know, what am I doing? Did I say no? You know, is this, how is this going to work? You know, is this going to be comfortable? So even when you say being intimacy, being intimate, because I know post-rape, for me, um, you know, it's hard to be intimate. It can be hard to be intimate. And you can have so many different triggers. If someone pulls on something, you know, when you're getting, things are getting heated and heavy, and somebody tugs too hard on a piece of clothing, you know, it can trigger. Or, you know, so, so as you have that self-compassion with yourself, with talking so kindly, right? When we take these steps to heal ourselves, we're going to have to have self-compassion as well, right? And yeah, be... And, and to know maybe it's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel uncomfortable even, yeah. right? How do you, for me as a yoga teacher now, I mean, breath work and, and journaling and, and all of that is really helpful for when you have those. But also, and, and all that helps, I think, getting tuning into where we've always heard that your gut instinct or, you know, that inner voice where you know, yeah, I 
okay, I said no. I set a boundary. They didn't take it well, but that really did feel good for me. That was a little mm-hmm. scary. I wasn't necessarily prepared for how they were going to act, but you know what? When I inhale and exhale and let that wash over, no, I feel good. So, so you know, so I think I've had problems with we want to heal, but then we're afraid of the process. So you've given us a lot of ways to lean into that process. Like you say, it doesn't have to be one big leap. Yeah, or exactly. I to take care of this big chunk. No, we can have the way. compassion for ourselves. And we can go at a pace that feels right for us. The other thing is I used to head up teen pregnancy prevention initiatives at Planned Parenthood. And so a lot of times people uh, don't really know what teen pregnancy prevention is. They're like, what? Uh, teaching people how to use fun of all these things. And so they don't really have a full comprehensive understanding of what teen pregnancy prevention is because we don't have good comprehensive sex education in the United States, right? So pregnancy uh, prevention includes all kinds of things. Uh, teaching kids how to fill out college applications, uh, talking about other on-ramps to adulthood that don't involve becoming a parent. So all of the, it could be a lot of different things. There's all kinds of evidence-based programs that explain how we know certain things do work. And so one of the things that works really well is having people practice saying no, right? Like literally practice it. And so I always remind myself when I'm having to make a big decision, it's like I say yes to big things and no to big things often. And so if there's something that feels like, oh, there's another thing, I'm not ready for it, whatever, practice it, right? Ask someone and like, it can be so simple. And I think when we're adults, we think, oh, that sounds too silly or whatever. I can't start really simple with things. Go, when you're at the restaurant, right? If they're like, hey, would you like dessert? No. And so instead of, oh, no, I don't, but like, because people tend to excuse away, right? Like we say no. Well, like, I'll look at the menu. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll look at the menu. You yeah. Know, like, we excuse it away or whatever. Just literally, if you are mindful all day about all those times you say no, being much more concrete and clear without apologizing for saying no. So you're at a restaurant and they offer, oh, the food was so good, we ate so much. No, I can't. I'm so stuck. We apologize for and just saying, no, I'm full. This meal was really good, but I don't want dessert. You don't have to say why. You don't have to excuse it. You just know, right? Like that's an example of just like practicing saying a no, right? Or you could do, I'm trying to the restaurant. The example that I would give is I would have people ask me things, silly things. Like I would ask sometimes like, uh, okay, so ask me if I want to go to a place with you. And they'd be like, oh, do you want to go to the movies? And I go, no, concrete. Ask me a specific movie, date, time, whatever. You know? Oh, do you want to go see, you know, whatever? Uh, I don't know, Origin on Sunday, um, you know, in whatever town. You know, ask something very concrete. And I could say, no, that doesn't work for me. I do like this film and I've heard good things about it. I would be interested in doing X. Right. And so it's like you can say it now. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm not available. You just you can practice just making your no OK without excusing it away. And so it's another yeah. one of those things that you don't have to like, how do I tell my partner? No, I don't want to stay married to them. Like, that's a big one. Right. Or how do I tell the person I've been dating that? No, I don't know that I ever want to have sex with them. You don't have to like. Or like, I don't really it. like that thing that they do that they think that I like, that they do when we're mm-hmm. intimate, you know, yeah. like I didn't say it the first time, I let it go the second time, after the fifth time, how do I now come back and say, I never really liked that. 
Yeah. Anyway. That's, so easiest way, I always say one of the good things about talking, you can either decide, I think because I've been doing sexual reproductive health education for 20 years. And so I'm even, I started 2005 and I started writing in 98. It's my first time writing about gender, justice, all these things. So I've been in, been around a couple of times. And so I remember I, uh, and that means because, and it should, if you grow, if you stay in something, you change your mind about things. You've got more nuanced opinions about it and things like that. So advice that I used to give about people talking about their sex life, I would say, don't do the bedroom because then it's like, you're, you know, no, don't, don't put your finger up my butt again. Like we've done that last time. But I said, don't have those conversations in the bedroom. That was the advice I used to give, like take it out of there, do it in a, and I say, have that conversation where it feels most natural to you. You're going to be your best self if you're not stressed and nervous. So first really think through like, when would it feel most appropriate to me to bring that up, right? The, the I butt, tend to- up the butt thing. I'm like, yeah. hey, that? I, know you're I love you cracking me up. Well, no, my most recent partner, the first time we had sex and I was like, He's in the wrong hole. Like, I think he needs to move his finger. For the first time. Um, and I was just like, was first, I, I was just like, I'm open. But like, I remember it was just kind of like, that's a bold move for the first time. We're like kind of going for it. And I mean, all the way <laughs> in, like last knuckle deep, like literally it was just like right away. And I was just like, oh, okay. wow. Yeah. And then so I was just like, <laughs> You know, and I and I was like, I, it wasn't like I was like, I don't like this. I was just kind of like, I, we've never done this before. I mean, so okay, I, kind of, I, I would have been on the ceiling, so I probably wouldn't have had to say anything. He would have been like, you want to come down off of the ceiling? <laughs> <laughs> I was enjoying it. So to be clear, it wasn't when I was like, why is he doing this? It's like, oh, this is feeling good. Okay, this is, and kind of like being in the moment with it all and stuff like that. And then so like, uh, and it, it was we had a pleasurable experience. And this is the next time. Uh, he was kind of like not only knuckle deep, was like kind of coming in and out with it uh, without losing <laughs> a little bit too fast. And I was like, yeah. yeah. And so I literally like whispered into his ear and like, I, like, like more gentle, more gentle with that. Like, yes, but gentle. Yeah. And then yeah. it is, so it's just kind of that worked well for me kind of thing. And then so like I was like, we, well, I'm not with this dude anymore. We were together for a while. And then so like, we just were trying other different things. And it was like, I felt it very natural and calm and okay to kind of talk about it in the moment. I would have also felt like if we were watching a movie together or something like that and like someone had made some kind of, you know, anal or butt joke or something, I would have been like, you know, I, my personality is I tend to, I mock what I don't understand and make jokes about it to like, Use the kind of thing or whatever. And so I could totally see myself like making a joke about something, you know, like that or whatever. Like, oh, yeah. Like, you know, like can you I put know, that on pause? You know? Yeah. Yeah. You, know? no, you became I know better that. friends with my butt than you did me when we first met. <laughs> like, just making a joke yeah. about it and like having a you conversation. Know, humor about can it. help. Humor can help. Yeah. Absolutely. And just being real and honest. And, and as you say, if you're, um, if you're if you're that intimate with a person where you're putting yourself up in that vulnerable, why not, as you say, say it in a nice way? Yeah. Because people pretty much appreciate guidance. They want guidance. They're looking for yeah. guidance. When it comes to intimacy, they want to, you know, or 
Oh, oh my gosh, I don't want to say that, but if they're not looking for what they like, you like, maybe that's not the right person. Like if they're not receptive to your saying, I don't like that, and you keep doing it, maybe that's not the right person. And that can mm. not just be sexually, it can be in all different kinds of ways. Okay. And I Whoa. like that. I always say sex is a community, sex is a conversation and the topic mm. is pleasure. And so it's not just a physical we say we pretend that sex is something we do. I'm fucking this person. I got fucked this, this thing that we do. It's conversation. It's a dance between you, two or three, or however many there, or with yourself if you're doing self-pleasure kind of thing. And so it's this idea that like we can have that be a conversation. And if there needs to be tools, because I like what you said, that people want guidance, right? One of the uh, tips that you can use is called a yes, no, maybe list where you both write down what are all the different kinds of sexual things that exist under the sun? What could possibly happen? If you say, okay, anal penetration with the toy, with the finger, with something else, like what in percent with a penis, like what, what are all the different kinds of sexual things that could happen? You write it down, your partner writes it down, you combine your list and you write things you're into, things you would never do, things you haven't done, but you'd be interested in, put it all on the list and you two combine your list and then separately, you and you have a little write, written out with just columns, yes, no, or maybe. Right? And so you say, okay, this activity, no, right? This activity, yes. Um, the other activity, maybe, I don't know. You kind of do that on your own. You fill it out. And you and your partner talk about it together and say, okay, so what is this like? And you might find that you both have a hard yes on something that neither of you have done, but yes, you would be into it. You wouldn't have known that had you not kind of like thrown that out as a brainstorm idea and activity. Public sex, maybe you're both like, yeah, I'd be down for it. Or maybe it's something like, I don't know, like uh, Mile High Club, having sex with each other while we're both in the point. Maybe, I don't know, there could be, those bathrooms are tiny. I barely fit in it by myself. I don't know, maybe, maybe you're both a maybe. So that's another concrete tool. And you can Google yes, no, maybe list or a bunch on the internet. And so there are a bunch of tools that you can use like that too, to kind of facilitate that conversation or guidance. Um, you can also practice having that kind of conversation about other things that aren't sexual, because I tend to do this too. If something I don't like is on me, uh, happens, I sometimes go on mute and I slip into observer mode. What's happening around? Did they mean to do that? What's, and try and like analyze what's going on. And it could be the most innocuous thing that happened at my friend Shane's birthday party last weekend. And he asked me when I came in, he's like, do you want a drink? I was like, yeah. He's like, you know, what do you want? And so I first, I was like, I'm just going to have water. He's like, sparkling or something. Like, Ooh, sparkling. He's like, cold or, you know, room temperature. I was like, oh, room temperature. And I felt so like cared for and everything. He never brought me the goddamn water. And so then like, I saw him give someone else, like he was, he was giving it and I like looked at him. And my initial thought was, was that on purpose? Because here's what we do too. We think about when someone else has done something and we're like, oh, I know that behavior. And we start thinking, is that person doing that behavior without really thinking through it? Well, that person's not them. Yes, it could be that the behavior, you become acutely aware of different behavioral trends and that could be, because uh, I had a guy, I remember I was in college. He would do that. We'd all go out and he'd ask everybody, not even a friend, we worked at the same job. So it wasn't like someone was friends with a new well. But whenever we all went out after work, he would ask him, what do you want to drink? What do you want to drink? He'd get, oh, I'd get around. And he wouldn't bring mine because I like talked to a manager once about something he didn't, he didn't like that. And so when we, he would go wow. around, he would ask everybody, he wouldn't get mine. And so I just thought, 
I'm good. I can pay for my own drink. Like I would never even like to. So when Shane didn't bring my water, my immediate was, and that's probably this 25 years ago. And it still was the first thing I thought. I was like, is he pulling some power? It's like, yeah. <laughs> like, you have to also just kind of like get used to conversation outside of sexual life. How do I tell someone that I want to do or don't, or they hurt my feet? Like, We're not good, I would say, in general, of being vulnerable with each other as humans and telling people when they've let us down or when they've hurt our feelings or when they've made us feel insecure or when they've done, we don't do that. So you say about like sexual stuff, it's like practice doing it in the non-sexual realms too, because we treat healthy relationships and sex lives. We even use that phrase, sex lives. Like it's a life that lives off somewhere else. So you're I was going to your... say, it's a life of its own, I know. We treat it like it's something else, right? And it's like, I always say, sexual health is a subset of health. It's health. It's, not, it's right there with everything else. And we need to do that. And same with like being healthy relationships with others. It's like, we have to practice doing that holistically because having a conversation with your partner saying they did this thing and I don't like it. I don't want them to do it. Would you tell them you don't like the way their food tastes? Would you tell them that you don't like what they've done with their career? Would you tell them that you don't think they're high achieving enough? Would you tell, like- that's not just about sex. It's about a conversation you're having with your partner about expectation, about desire, about wants, about all of these things. And so it might be showing up and you might be saying in the bedroom, it looks like this, but out of the bedroom, how else do you tend to communicate with your partner about your desires, what you want them to do for you or not do? How do you communicate those types of things to your partners? What makes you feel seen when you're with them? when you feel like they're thinking of themselves and not you, all of that, all of that can be a non-sexual realms too. And so it's very important for us to like have holistic views of what health in our sexual lives, sexual health and what health in our relationships looks like, healthy relationships. Well, uh, that sums it up, sweetheart. It is hard. Like I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It's hard as fuck. And it's not ever yeah. done. The work is never done. As long as we're alive and we're still growing and learning and all of these things, we're going to keep doing it. Muhammad Ali, the man who still sees the world the same at 50 as he did at 20, has wasted 30 years of his life. And so it's like, wow. we totally, it's always, it continues to be hard. And if we're doing it right, sometimes it gets harder, right? Because we're actually doing more challenging things. Arithmetic is easy. Calculus is harder. The more you learn, the more you're willing to challenge and grow and tackle the harder things. Talking about how you felt when you experienced that childhood trauma, not only with your therapist, but with your partner and telling them these kinds of things. Like this stuff can be hard. Some of it we don't ever have to do. And some of it we do need to do if we want improvement in our lives so that people can deliver what we want. And some of it we need to do, but not with certain people because they don't deserve that access to you. And so sorting all of that stuff out and managing all this, the most human thing that we can do for ourselves, the most loving thing we can do for ourselves, and some of the hardest things that we can do. I'm not going to lie. I go through it too. I'm constantly learning, constantly questioning, like, how can I be better at this? How can I always do my best when it comes to making sure that I find partners who love me the way that I need to be loved? And how can I always do my best when communicating with someone about when they've hurt my feelings and something? 
How can I not take things personally? How can I like, I love that book for agreements. It's problematic. Everything's problematic. I'm problematic. Everything's problematic, right? So it's not a perfect book, but I feel like I found interesting insights therein. And my ability to say, yeah, it's not a perfect book is my ability to realize I'm not a perfect person. The same kind of graciousness that I give to others, I have to learn to give to myself. Yeah, and that's a lot of overlap with, with yoga philosophy as far as like being impeccable with your word. Um, you didn't necessarily admit, uh, mention this, but I saw some similarities like do, don't do anything that you can't do with, with um, full happiness. And uh, I'm thinking of the Swedish word, the gladiator, the joy. That's what I want to say, the joy. You know, saying I like, like you say, yeah, like you say, saying yes to the things that, you know, and saying no, you know, all of that, living an impeccable life, um, not taking things personally, like detachment is something in the yoga philosophy, in the, in, and that means detached, um, not taking things personally, you know, you have to be detached, from, as you say, and not looking at things as good or bad, you know, and knowing that we're all having this experience, and people are in different parts of the way going on, it's never a waste of time when I'm with you. Not ever, ever, ever waste of time um, when we get to, to be together. Um, from the time we connect with this call, you make yes. me feel so good. Oh, I, going, no, I feel drained. I feel like I need a nap. Because um, it's work. In a good right? way. It's yeah, work. And that's the thing. It's, a good way. Yeah, no, and the thing is, it's work. When we say that, do the work, we have to realize it is actual work. Like emotionally, it could be very, I can feel spent often after like having a conversation with someone. I'm like, oh my God, I just feel like it's like, it's just a lot to kind of think about like prepping myself for that conversation, having that conversation, um, moderating my reactions and, re and thoughts about it. And I, like, it can be a lot of work, right? And it's like, but it feels good eventually because you're like, All right, I did that and it's not as hard, you know? I took my A1 exam and I was like A1 Portuguese competency exam with like languages. They do the people on the podcast, you probably know this. They do languages by like let alphanumerically. And so when they say like B1 level Chinese or B2 level French or whatever, it's they do base level is your A1, you're starting from then you do A2 and so on. I took my A1 exam. Um, and I have a TikTok where I just literally, I think I'm shadow banned. I literally get one view. I went down from like 50,000 views to like one view, but whatever. The point of the TikTok was literally to record myself speaking Portuguese so that I could hear it and then practice and then like just keep doing that. And so when I compare how I did on my A1 exam, they gave us two and a half hours to complete it. I breezed through it. I was done in 30 minutes with the whole exam. I was like, I felt really good with it. Right. And so like, the effort it took me to listen to the instructor, write down in Portuguese what they said, come up with my own free form. They had to do 50 to 70 words of my own free form of like about my life, my day, what I do in my free time, all of that, answer all this stuff. I did it with ease. And I turned, I got up and I gave them the thing. I was like, oh, okay, I'm done. When I started Portuguese, having eo so at like, the effort, the energy, it's hard. I felt so drained after the class because it's its emotional work. It's a labor. And the more you do it, it's much less emotionally intensive and labor and draining for me to try to remember how to say agua or whatever. Like I can now pick up and say Portuguese words easier and quicker, faster. And that's because I'm improving 
my ability to speak Portuguese. And it's the same with us doing these things. The more we get into it, I'm talking with yoga. I, I cry in yoga classes. Whenever I do yoga, I start crying. I literally am just like back in the room, like sobbing and thinking about like it just well, this release. Like, yeah. It is a, a release. And I have been in classes where I just burst out in tears. So good for yeah. you. You're doing the, the emotional release. Yeah. So it's it's work. Yeah. It's work. All of this is work. Life is work. So season of healing, you should think of it as that, okay, we're going to have this season. We heal. We move on. It's life. Life has different seasons. We're always. I love that Muhammad Ali quote. I had heard that a man who, if a man at 50, his name is 20, he's lost 30 years. I love that. So just to say we're constantly. So these are tools that you've given us that we can, um, and things to think about and to explore. And I love that you said, you know, you hadn't thought about the, the your bio rhythm. Don't feel bad, anyone, if you realize, oh, I forgot that thing to consider. And if, you know what? It might be something that you wouldn't have considered last year, but you're considering now because you're not the same person. So I, I think also don't feel, maybe sometimes we get like, okay, stuck. I can't, I made this, what's that expression? I made this bed. I have to lay in it. Or I yeah, made like, your bed. I have to lie job. in it. Yeah, exactly. And I know in yoga poses, we get in these poses, it's like, you don't have to get stuck in that pose. If it hurts, adjust. Make adaptations. Yeah. Yeah. So we can make those adaptations to our lives exactly. and go through and try to heal. And what may have worked as a healing mechanism before may not. Yes. Um, and I love that you said the season of healing in Portuguese, that it's the same word. Because I was asking, I was like, why does this look like the same word? They're like, it is. It's just plural. And the other one's singular. So the word, if you're going to a metro, stop is parajim, but like station. Station is estacion. Estacion is station. And then the word seasons, seasons, like plural, in Portuguese is estações. So the plural version of estação is estações. And so I was like, so it's station, it like the metro station, right? Is estacion. And but then like it's the seasons of the year are literally the stations of the year. And I like that yeah. because it's like you literally go from one station to the next, like right to the next station. It's not linear. It's not like going from this station to that station. You can go back to it. You can like, there's no kind of, it's not temporal stations. You pass through stations in life and on the train. Like, I just, I was like, I really love that. Stations of the year is what they say for seasons. Like in Verano is what, like, those are the stations. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, so I love the station or the season of healing and it doesn't mean that okay this, you can never get back on this is it it just means that we're stopping at this yeah, station okay. right now and we're doing it so i love that oh and i love you and i am so glad that um you took the time to be with us and happy february i'm so thrilled to see you thriving in portugal it's just Thank amazing yeah it's a beautiful thing to see thank you for the tour of your beautiful home and Come see it. When are you coming? <laughs> you know, one of my best friends is planning a trip to Portugal this year. I don't know where or when. And I said, I know someone over there. And I was like, keep me posted. So, you know, if I'm anywhere near your um, area code, I'm going to let you know way in advance because with yes. my luck, you won't even be in the country. You can be somewhere else with my luck. So I have I'm planning on staying in Portugal this year. Oh, I just I even mean traveling. Because oh, yeah. So, you know, you could be on a trip because I've we've crossed paths in the states when I was 
You know Amazing. what I mean? So you can be, don't True. know what area, time zone, I should say, you're going to be in at any given moment. So, exactly. Uh, we don't know where life will take us all. Like, yeah. We don't, but we have, if we take the tools and if we have self-compassion, sense of humor, you got the whole package. Sense of humor. Oh, baby girl. Thank you. Planning, um, flexibility, um, and um, those four agreements. I'll put, mm. um, you recommend the audiobook? I love audio. Oh yeah, I love audiobooks. I I I don't know if it's uh post COVID world or whatever, but I have zero attention span. I haven't read a physical book in since who knows what. Everything I read now is an audiobook of quote quote read is an audiobook, and so I like it because I can also like I like the interactivity of it, and so I'll do a clipping of it, and I'm like yes. And there was this one. Do we have time? Can I share one thing yeah, did with you? Because yeah. it's about relationships. Um, and so let me find this one. It's from the four agreements. I'll read this passage. I just need to find Perfect. it. Perfect. Um, yeah, no problem. And you know what? That is again so weird because I had just finished the summary of the four agreements, and then you're picking up on it. And so I know that it's a book that I need to um, delve further. I recommend um, audiobooks, and so does Twana. To anyone, and, and a tip Twana mentioned Audible. I know they have a free trial. But if you are an American and you still are active in your your local municipality, for example, I still have my um, library card from my local municipality, and I can log in and get audiobooks. There's an app called Libby, and you can um, so for free, so whatever. But Audible will have every title. The titles we can get at your library depends on the library and you know what they have in. They do let you suggest titles. Yeah. But uh, audiobooks are the bomb. I don't know if people still say bomb diggity, the thing, the jam, whatever. But I love an audiobook. They go everywhere with you. Um, That's a good and, point about keeping your library uh, active because your Kindle too. Yeah. It's the same with like Kindle books. You can get it directly yeah. from your library. So it's great. Like sure. Yeah. Okay. So here's this passage that came from the four agreements that I read. And it was just like the other thing was audiobooks. You could rewind it and listen to it again. And it's like, it's so dense. So here's what it says. In your whole life, nobody has ever abused you more than you have abused yourself. And the limit of your self-abuse is exactly the limit that you will tolerate from someone else. If someone abuses you a little bit more then you abuse yourself, you will probably walk away from that person. But if someone abuses you a little less than you abuse yourself, you will probably stay in that relationship and tolerate it endlessly. And that really resonated with me because what I felt like is just what the negative self-talk, like that's, uh, like I said, we're all growing, we're all whatever. I just really realized I was doing too much, coming down too hard on myself, expecting too much. Oh, I'm in Portugal, so now I need to do this. Oh, maybe I'll do another theater show here. Maybe I'll do it like just like putting so much on myself. And I was like, I'm doing that. That is a form of self-abuse, right? Not giving yourself the time to heal, to rest, to do nothing. The Italians, what is it? El dolce fede niente or whatever, the sweetness of doing nothing to like keep pushing ourselves is a form of abuse. And I think I celebrated that for such a long time because I was living in places that actually 
celebrate that too, like namely New York City, right? I describe living in New York as like being an alcoholic in a bar. It feels very comfortable and you're just kind of like, ah, oh, like that constantly going city that never sleeps. I was like, ah, I need a it. And so now that I'm out of that and living in a place that moves extremely slowly, right? Like don't expect a lot to get done extremely quickly in Portugal where they enjoy the sweetness of life, right? Like now that I am slowing down, I'm like, I'm like, oh, should I be producing more? Do I need to write more articles? Oh my God, I need to be, I shouldn't turn down the speaking day. I'm like, and I'm like, that is not giving myself time to heal and time to rest, right? That is a form of self-abuse. And so like, I had to really think about that. And I, I'm open about the fact that I'm adult survivor child abuse. And so I had to think of like, what does this mean to me as I continue to age and grow and have great partners and have partners that don't work for me or whatever, but like, that is a thing that the new leveling up I'm doing, challenging myself to too, is like being more kind to myself, you know, and being more emotionally vulnerable with myself and with others. I was very intellectually vulnerable. So if somebody does something, I'd say, that's a real fuckboy move. You got to be better, right? Like that's intellectually honest, right? Being emotionally honest and vulnerable would be say like, I know that I deserve better. And when you behave that way, it makes me not want to be with you. And so I'm saying this because I am hoping that this is not what you think is acceptable behavior. And I'm seeing that, and it doesn't have to be extreme because people, I think sometimes you go too hard on that. Like when someone shows you who they are, but leaves in the same time, first time, people fuck up, people make mistakes. If everyone crucified me in my relationships for every time I showed my ass, right? Every single time they're like, she showed your ass the first time, run away from that woman. It's like, we all fuck up. So there is this nuance. And that's what I mean about the longer I've been in this, just learning. It's like, yes, if someone violates your boundaries or does something that's unacceptable, it should be unacceptable. There is this other area where it's like someone hurts your feelings unknowingly because it wouldn't even occur to them. I say shit like I don't have a filter sometimes. So I'll say stuff without thinking about it. Like I'll be like, I don't think that's a good idea. Like, so like, I wait, wait, wait. It's like learning to like self-moderate those types of things. And so like part of that is to in relationships, like the emotional vulnerability of it has been me learning and growing and trusting. It's like, I need to be much more kind to myself and more emotionally vulnerable with myself. Not doing that is a form of self-abuse. And then with partners, being all intellectually honest with them, but not really being emotionally is not leading to my own growth. Because guess what? What happens is if you do say those kinds of things to a partner who's like, oh, shit, She's getting all emotional talking about self-healing and stuff like that. Like that'll scare them away. And that's what you want. You want the person who's like, oh my God, thank you for sharing that with me. That's not what I meant. Or I thought this, or like who actually gets into that space with you, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I, I was just thinking somebody's going to come take me to jail for the way I've been abusing myself, for the way that, that you just said it. That is a whole new mindset. A way to think about it is very profound. It, it, it goes to me, it goes beyond self compassion or self kind talk yes. because it's a different level of um, abuse and, and the, the part that comes with that. Um, as, like you say, pushing yourself, always not getting enough sleep, always trying to achieve, even doing, like you said, you know, if you look at it the other way, you know, not eating mm -hmm. right, you're not, you know, 
denying somebody nutrition. You know, those are things that would be criminal. Yeah. And we do that. And then when we, even when, then to process the feelings that, that come when you do do that, because you know you don't feel good. And, and your inner self knows that you can't trust yourself, that you're not even yourself own selfless friend. You may not even know that consciously, but your inner self knows that. And then that's when you stop even trusting your own judgment. I mean, it just spirals and goes down. Yeah. yeah. And it's and it's a lot of work. And I say this to someone who's like, I've been in, I started therapy in my teens. So it's like done the therapy, done the self-work, worked on it. And this is what I mean. It's like this is the calculus part of it. It's like, yeah, and I'm still going, I'm still learning. I've always, no matter what sex call, and I've written for a lot of outlets, done the television, thing, done the radio stuff, done all of these things. And I've never said, you know, oh, I'm this expert who knows all of these things. I'm out here learning with everybody else, right? This is my area of expertise. This is what I love doing. This is what I research and write about it, teach and speak about it, whatever. That by no means means I figured all this shit out. And the people I trust the least are people who tell you that they are the expert and they know everything. I'm not going to listen to you. I think that you actually need a little humility to realize we're all growing and learning. And so I also like am on this journey as well, you know? Mm, well, everybody, welcome on the journey. Call life. Call meet you where you are. Self-compassion. We've got lots of tools. Um, and don't feel bad if you feel like, oh, I can't do self-compassion. I can't say that. It's a process. You'll learn it. If you were taught how to talk badly, so you can be taught how to how, how to build yourself up. So we're, we're doing that this season of healing. And Tawana, I want to thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And um, I'm going to have to do better touch, uh, job of staying in touch in 2024 because I always feel better after I talk to you. So thank you. Indeed. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Your weekend is right around the corner and all of these things. And loved this. Thank you for making time and space to have this conversation with each other, too. You're welcome, babe. Talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Hey, we hope you enjoyed that episode from season four. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, be well.